0: Okay, I want to invite um, our sister Susan to come up and lead us in our scripture reading.
1: Good morning. Okay. Today's um, reading, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 18, and Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 to 8. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Amen.
0: Good morning again. I would introduce myself as Les, but I think I know everyone here. Um, it's good to see all of you here today. Um, last week was, was a really good time when, when we got together to, to share it was really nice to see so many of our brothers and sisters here at church come up to talk about what God has been doing in your life in the past few weeks, especially during the height of the fifth wave. And recently we've been rejoicing, haven't we? We've been, we've been happy. When we came back after not seeing each other for such a long time, we, we have these big smiles. When I saw Hanny today, I had a big smile, just happy to see each other, right? And there's a lot of pent-up joy that is just waiting to come out. So it's really nice. We're rejoicing because we can now have dinner with our families and restaurants till 12. We're, we're, we, can, we can exercise outside without wearing our masks. We can exercise indoors. We can play sports without wearing our masks. And I don't know about you, but that just makes me feel liberated. You know, it makes me feel free, which is, which is strange. It feels like an oxymoron in a place like this that amidst all these restrictions, we feel free. And it's good to rejoice. As we saw in one of the verses that Susan read today, rejoice in the Lord always. And that's what we're doing. We're trying to rejoice, right? But I want to challenge us this morning to think back, just take a few steps back and think back a few weeks prior to this at the height of the fifth wave in our city. See, because it wasn't that long ago when you would walk into a supermarket and there just wasn't enough food to buy. Remember that? It wasn't that long ago when we were afraid that if something happened to us, we might have to be taken away to a quarantine center. And in fact, some of us had to do that. It wasn't that long ago that we were afraid that our kids might be separated from us. Remember that? It wasn't that long ago that we saw images of tens of senior citizens lying outside hospitals, not being able to go in in the cold and in the rain. It wasn't that long ago that we saw the death toll for Hong Kong was hundreds each and every day. And in the midst of that, in the midst of the fifth wave, we were able to still meet in person, online. Wasn't the same, was it? And in those times, it's hard to leave those anxieties and to leave those burdens, leave those pains outside the door when we log in to Zoom and when we see each other, it's hard to leave that out there, right? I don't know about you, but it was, it was really hard for me to do that and to express joy. Yeah, it was nice to see each other, but it just wasn't the same. Virtual fellowship. The question then I want to ask all of us today is, can we be thankful during those times? Well, as evidenced by last week from the sharing, yes, we can be thankful during those times. The psalmist wrote, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And we try to do that as Christians. Can we rejoice and continue to be thankful in the midst of the fifth wave? Can we continue to be thankful if if we know a sixth wave is coming? Even in the most difficult and trying times, can we do that? And that's what we're going to be looking at today. The the, the title of the sermon is Staying Thankful Even During Tough Times. And we'll, we'll be looking at four keys or four points that help us achieve this. The first is worry about nothing. The second is pray about everything. The third is thank God in all things, for all things. And the fourth is to experience his peace. And before that, let's pray. God, thank you for your word, Lord. It is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. Lord, thank you for inspiring us through your divine word. Lord, we're thankful, Lord, this morning because we are able to meet in person and we're able to have fellowship with each other. We're able to worship you, Lord, as one body. God, I pray that As we tune in today, Lord, to your word, Lord, that the words from my mouth, Lord, would not be mine. God, that they would be divinely yours. Come Holy Spirit and take hold of this place and take hold of this sermon as we tune into you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, the four keys to staying thankful in tough times. The first is this worry about nothing. We're gonna go back to verse six today, which uh, Sister Susan read. Verse six of Philippians four is what we're gonna be focusing on in on for the first two points and there it is up there on the screen paul says do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be known to god we want to focus in on that first part do not be anxious about anything in other words what paul is saying is the, is the title of this first point worry about nothing do not worry don't worry no worries is a phrase we often hear, right? It seems so easy for, for that phrase, no worries, don't worry, to roll off our tongues. We say to each other all the time, oh, don't worry. No worries, buddy, no worries. But let's acknowledge what's obvious. It's far easier to say it than to do it, right? It's far easier said than done. See, the really interesting thing is, different people worry in different ways for different things in different amounts. It seems to me that every family has a worrier. Take a moment to think about that in your family or in your circle of friends, who's the worrier? Right, it, could be, it could be your spouse, it could be one of your kids. It could be your parents or one of your parents. It could be one of your teachers. It could be three of your classmates or the worriers in your class. See, in my family, I'm, I'm the worrier. And for those of you who know me well, you know I freak out pretty often. I don't show it, but, I, but those who know me really well see me freak out. Um, I'm the worrier, and I I don't just worry about the big things, like the future, it's the small little tiny things that really bother me sometimes, that really make me worry. I walk my kids to school in the morning through the mall, and I worry about them tripping over their oversized feet and falling on their heads and cracking their skulls. Any of you feel that? Yeah? Okay, I I don't feel so bad right now, because I think these are really small, trivial things that we worry about. Some of you didn't didn't nod your heads there, so I think you don't worry about those, those silly things. Okay, but, you know, I worry about that. I worry about my kids' handwriting, and is it good enough so that their teachers will like them because those are the little soft skills to make your teacher like you more, having good handwriting. You guys think about that? I hope not. (laughs) Some of us worry about not having enough money to put our children through a good university. Some of us worry about not having enough money left for our retirement so we can enjoy our years later. Is that you? Some of us worry about the future of Hong Kong. Is there a future for Hong Kong the way it's going right now? And we worry for its people because these are our friends. This is the home. This is our home. This is where we live. I worry about my friends and my loved ones who may be suffering, who may be going through difficult times. This is the stuff that keeps me awake at night sometimes. Do any of you feel like that? Do any of you worry about war and what it could bring to the shores of Hong Kong? or if? there is an impending war on our horizon in this part of the world are you a worry freak because these are all the things i worry about and if you can identify with that it's perfectly fine now i decided to look look up some research i decided to do a little bit of research and find out a little bit more about worrying so what i did was i started looking for experts in the field and one of them is a guy named dr robert Leahy. And he he wrote this book called The Worry Cure. Isn't that a wonderful name for a book? The Worry Cure. If you read it, your worries are all cured. But I wanted to understand what what experts say about worries. And this is what I found out. 40% of what we worry about doesn't even happen. Okay? So if you've got a list right now of 10 things in your mind that you're worried about, you can cross off four of those things right away. 40%. 30% of our worries are things that have happened in the past. Is anybody here a history buff? I know there's some history buffs here. Yep. And see, the thing about history is I like to read up history because it helps me understand the present and possibly what's going to happen tomorrow. But I have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. The The interesting thing about the past is this. It's in the past. No amount of worrying is going to change the past. And no amount of worrying may possibly change the future. So that's 40% plus 30% if you guys are keeping tabs. 70% of our worries are basically not worth worrying over. 12% of our worries are baseless health concerns. Did you know that? Baseless health concerns. Do you know somebody in your life who sneezes in the morning and goes like, oh, I wonder if I have COVID. And they sneeze twice, they're like, I think I have COVID. Then they sneeze three times and I have COVID. And they sneeze four times and they go, wait, I don't, I, I don't have an R. E. T. test. What am I going to do? And the fifth time they sneeze, I have COVID, I'm, I'm going to die. You know anybody like that? Sure you do. I hope you don't. <clears throat> if you looked in the mirror this morning, it might be you. Do you know anybody during your lunch break whether, or at recess when you're at school and they need to go from one building to another, right? And there, there's always shelter, right? But it's May now and the sun is shining bright and it's bright sun. And this person wants to walk from one end to the other, but it's going to be two minutes in the sun. And this person starts thinking to themselves, well, that's, that's two minutes too much sun exposure and you know the SPF that I've been using is SPF 150, which isn't good enough. I should have bought the SPF 2,500, but that's out of stock at Manning's and I didn't have enough money to buy that, so I gotta use this SPF 150, which means when I walk there I'm gonna get cancer and I'm gonna die. There are people who worry about these things. 12% baseless health concerns. Another 10% are insignificant issues like tripping over yourself and falling on your head and cracking your skull. Or when I was walking with my son and he picked up a rock the other day and the only thing I could think of was not how interesting the rock looked, but are there traces of rat poison or dog poo on it. Who's been keeping tabs on the number, on the percentages so far, right? It's now at 92%. So according to the experts on worry, 92% of our worries are unfounded, they're invalid. They're not worth worrying over. That leaves us with 8%. It's just 8% of things that we probably should be worrying about. See, church, as Christians, we need to acknowledge that we worry too much about things of this world. But as Christians, we realize that our God is in control, isn't he? And we need to remind ourselves of this. We need to remind each other of this when we have fellowship with one another, that God is in control. God's mercies are new new every morning, God's grace is enough for us. And this takes practice and this takes community and it takes each other. We need the strength from God himself, but we also need to help each other. God has promised us his grace for each and every day. So we need to take this one step at a time. To be thankful in tough times, this is the first step that we need to take. Worry about nothing. What is the next step? We'll go on to the next step, which is to pray about everything. Back to verse six again, Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. The next step to be thankful in tough times is to start praying. Now here's a question for all of us today. How much time do you spend praying each day? Something to think about. See, I know with our busy schedules, us rushing to work, commute time being two hours, school, schoolwork, homework, helping our kids with school, doing chores at home, homework. And that's just not for students because a lot of people have to bring their homework back from work as well, projects, deadlines. It seems like there's very little time for us to devote to prayer. And when I think of prayer, I always think, well, I've got to find a quiet place. And if you're able to do this, this is great. Find a quiet place, sit down, close your eyes, put your hands together and pray. If you're able to do that, God bless you, keep that up. I wish I could do more of that. Or if I, I wish I had the discipline to do that. Right. But some of us struggle to find that time, but I have some good news. And the good news is this. We just talked about 92% of our time being used for worrying, being invalid armed with that, with that first key. Now, you know, you've got 92% extra time to pray instead of worry. Right. Um, Here's a phrase I found from a pastor named Brian Strickland. And he says this, if you and I spend as much time praying as we did worrying, we would have a lot less to worry about. You can read that with me one more time for that to sink in a little. If you and I spent as much time praying as we did worrying, we would have a lot less to worry about. Isn't that true? It seems so simple and self-explanatory, but that's basically it. If we just didn't worry and brought that to God in prayer, it would make a huge difference. When I was a youth, I remember struggling with this prayer thing and a youth pastor said to me, Les, prayer doesn't have to be sitting down. It's not a prerequisite. It's great when you can sit down and close your eyes and pray and remove the distractions of the world. It's great if you can do that, but it's not a prerequisite to pray like that all the time. Praying to God is like a chat with God on the way to work. If there's something in your mind that's worrying you, take it to God. If it's something small like tripping, and breaking your head, take that to God. If it's shopping choices, whether I should buy an Envy Apple or a Fuji Apple, take it to God. I know it sounds crazy, but that's the 92%, right? Take it to God. Paul doesn't remind us to pray to God when the going gets tough. Paul doesn't remind us to pray to God only in Thanksgiving. Paul doesn't tell us to pray to God when we're sick and when we're distressed. Look what Paul says. He says, in everything by prayer. In everything. And does it mean that God is interested? Of course he is. Is he interested in your mortgage payments? Of course he is. Is he interested in your fashion choices? He is. Is he interested in whether you should buy Nikes or Reeboks the next time you need new sneakers? He is. Is he interested in that midday migraine headache that you get at about 1 p.m. and there's no coffee in sight? Yes, he is. God is interested in every single aspect of our lives, whether big or small. And why is this? Why is he interested? Because he knows us, because he loves us. The Bible says that he knows the number of hairs on your head. I think that's incredible. My God knows the number of hairs on my head and he knows that number is dwindling every day. Our God who has designed every snowflake pattern to be different. He's designed every iris pattern of ours to be different from the person next to ours. Every fingerprint of ours to be different from the adjacent finger, to be adjacent to the five adjacent fingers, to be adjacent from the 10 adjacent fingers person next to you is different. Surely he has no problem handling the little details of our lives. The 92%, take that to God. Now you might be thinking, okay, there's that 92% that we should be praying for, what about the 8%? Well, we do pray about the 8%. Those are the crises that we're going through. Those are the things that the experts in the world say are valid reasons to worry. We take those to God anyway, don't we? So when Paul is saying, pray for everything, he's saying, don't pray for the 8%, pray for the 92%, pray for the 100%. And that goes back to worrying earlier. Do we worry about the 8%? No. Yeah, it's easier said than done, but armed with this knowledge and armed with what Paul is telling us here, he's saying pray for everything, worry about nothing. Pray for the 100%, worry about the 0%. 1 Peter 5.7 says this, cast all your anxieties not some, not 92% of them, not nine out of 10. Cast all your anxieties on him, on Jesus, because he cares for you, because he loves us. I wanna take uh, about a minute right now and for us to think about these first two points. What have been your worries in the past few months? And if they're still there during this time, even if things get better, what are your worries? Are they valid? Are they invalid? doesn't matter, does it? And take the time to pray where you are in the next one minute. Pray for those things, and then we'll continue. Lord, help us to worry less about the myriad of things that are consuming our minds each day. Lord, give us the strength, Lord, to look beyond those worries and to take them to you. Give us the strength and the courage, Lord, to talk about the little things to you. Remind us, Lord, that's so much of what we worry about, Lord, is just tearing us down. It's stewing without doing. It's worrying without doing. Lord, we need you. And that's why we take these worries to you. Thank you in Jesus' name. One thing we do as a church as we as we pray, as we take things to God, is that we do that as a community, community as well, don't we? And I want us to think about what that means for the Bridge Church. How do we do that as a community? How do we pray for each other? Well, for one thing, we we, kind of need to know each other, don't we? So what does that look like? It might mean we need to be intentional about having people over at our house for lunch or dinner and getting to know each other. Because in doing so, we get to know each other. We get to see each other's joys, share each other's joys and share each other's difficulties. And then we can take that together to God in prayer. I shared with some people in my small group here in this church that it's not easy for me to transition from sharing to taking it to prayer. It, it, it requires an element of faith, but we've got to do it, don't we? And that's how we encourage each other and that's how we help each other. That's how God designed us to be. Right, so we've looked at the two, the two keys earlier. Worry about nothing, pray about everything. Let's look at the third point today. The third point is this, be thankful in all things and for all things. The latter half of verse six, Paul says, when you pray, pray with thanksgiving, right? He says, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. And we're now getting into the crux of what it means to have this next level thankful heart, not just being thankful, but to be thankful even in difficult times. We're getting there. Paul tells us whenever we pray, pray with a thankful heart. Do you think we're already good at doing this? I think so. As Christians, we're quite good at giving thanks, aren't we? Or we? we saw it last week. We had people come up and share about God's goodness and how he was still blessing us even, though, even during the difficult times, even though the world seems like it's falling apart, God's still providing. See, as Christians, we, we love to call that out. We like to come up here and we like to proclaim God's goodness. We like to share it. And we, we like to rejoice together with our brothers and sisters that God is still at work in our lives. And isn't that wonderful? That is a heart of thanksgiving. And it's good to give glory to our God, the giver of good things. Because the truth is we we love to tell a good story. I love to tell a good story. But what about the tough times? While we give thanks for all these blessings that our brothers and sisters have been receiving in the past few months, we need to remember, remember that that hasn't happened to all of us. For some of us, we've had our jobs and income taken away from us and they're not back. For some of us, we've had the very financial basis of our comfort threshold ripped from under us. Some of us live in deficit or depleting reserves every day. Some of us have had to downgrade to smaller, more uncomfortable homes, to homes the size we've never been in before. Some of us have had marriage issues or relationship issues. We've been arguing with our spouses, we've been arguing with our family members. Some of us were taken away to quarantine centers and isolated for weeks without any human contact. Some of us have lost loved ones in our home countries and we haven't been able to go back to bury them. Some of us have lost loved ones here in Hong Kong and we're still waiting for an appointment to cremate them or bury them. Now that doesn't sound like a good story, does it? It just sounds like a bad story. It sounds like a horrible story that's ongoing. Why would I want to talk about that? And some of us may be feeling if only i had the strength and the power to control that if only i could change my story so the question i'd like to ask ourselves this morning is this whose story are we living in part of our journey part of our walk as christians is that as we start drawing closer to jesus as we start surrendering to him as we start understanding his character and what he has done for us on the cross, as we start to have fellowship with each other, as we start to encourage each other, something supernatural starts happening to our hearts. Because while we like to say we're thankful and we are, we give thanks to God. As we draw closer to him, this supernatural change is this. The Holy spirit begins telling us it's not your story you're living in. It's God's. We're not living in our story. That's pride telling us that we are. We are not living in our own story. We're living in God's story. And I'm not the hero of this story, Jesus is. And this is where I think we start approaching this next level of thankfulness. Our sister Susan read today in today's scripture in 1 Thessalonians, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. As we trust in Jesus, we begin to give thanks even in the toughest of times. What does this mean? If we're in the midst of a fifth wave, can we still give thanks? We said yes earlier, yes, we can. Can we give thanks when we have no job and zero income? Yes, we can. Can we give thanks from a smaller, more uncomfortable home? Yes, we can. Can we give thanks in the middle of an argument with your spouse? Yes, you can stop that, and yes, you can give thanks. Can you give thanks when you're in the midst of a COVID infection and you can barely breathe? Paul says, yes, you can give thanks in all circumstances when you're seeing your loved one dying from COVID and suffering, can you still give thanks? Yes, you can. If you have to fight in a war or you see your friends in a war or fleeing a war or suffering in a war, can you give thanks? Paul says you can. It may sound crazy, but when Jesus is the hero and not you, you can give thanks. No matter how bad the circumstance, we can be thankful because as Christians, one, we know that God's in control, not us. We always have that to fall back on. Two, why can we be thankful in difficult times? Two, because we know that he will give us strength to endure it. We know that he will give us the strength and power to overcome the circumstance, overcome the problem. Paul doesn't say God will take away the problem, but we know that even in the midst of the most difficult of trials, God gives us the strength to persevere, to overcome, even if that problem won't go away. And third, we can give thanks in tough times because we know that we will grow in this time. We will grow through this, through the circumstances and through the difficult situations if, if we allow him to, if we allow him to be our strength, if we allow him to help us grow. Now that's giving thanks amidst the circumstances. Right? That's, that's, that's what a lot of us came up to share last week, even though there's all this bad stuff happening, there's still good stuff happening. God's still blessing. We're still able to give thanks in tough times. But what about this? What about being thankful for the tough times? Because there's a difference. Being thankful in tough times means you're still thankful despite the tough times, despite the tough times, there's still good stuff. Thank you, God, for the good stuff. But what about being thankful for the bad times? See, this is next level. And I think this is really, really hard, but this is what Paul tells the Ephesians. He tells the Ephesians this, always give thanks to God, the father for everything. Now That's really hard. I don't know about you, but for me, that's, that's really, really hard to give thanks for the bad stuff. I spent a lot of time this week thinking about that and meditating on it and praying to God for an answer. And he gave me a, a, a memory and I wanna share that with you this morning. When, when I think back to my teenage days, teenagers, pay attention. When I think back to my teenage days, I remember them being wonderful. I remember life being awesome. Do you guys feel like life is awesome right now? <laughs> my, my memory of my teenage days was incredible. See, I grew up in a, in a su- typical suburban home with a yard, mom, dad, my brother and I, very loving family, no conflicts. We had a yard, we had fruit trees, we had a dog, I had my guitar. It was heaven, except for the moments when I had to do homework and I was wondering whether a girl down the street liked me or not, but, but, um, but it was heaven. There were good days. But one fine Sunday in October when I was six, 16, I was woken to a horrible situation. My father had had a massive heart attack that morning. And when I was woken up by my mom that morning, who was in tears, Uh, paramedics were already attending to him and they were already giving him CPR. He didn't make it, he never came back. And in the blink of an eye, he was gone. He was my hero and life for my family would never be the same again. Now in the years that followed, I remember struggling with this, but by some crazy miracle, I directed that anxiety and anger and confusion on God. I didn't blame it on God, but I asked him, why? Why'd you take him away when he was still so impressionable in my life? As a teenager, that was really difficult. But somehow, because I did that, because I took it to God, I I went to church to do that, to get my answers. Why did he take my father away so early? And I think God directed me towards the community, to pastors, to youth leaders, to disciples and to friends. And they helped me draw closer to God. But it wasn't until maybe my working years as an adult that I think the Holy Spirit slowly began changing my entire picture or memory of what happened. See, the thing is, had my father not died at that age, when I was a teenager, when I was still impressionable, when I had quite a lot more free time, when my ways were not really set. I probably wouldn't have gone to seek the answers at church. I would have been too busy at work. I would have been too busy with my own kids, with my own families. And interestingly today, I can be thankful that he was taken away earlier, if that makes sense. It's taken a while to get there. And I know this doesn't happen to everybody. And I'm not saying it's better for a parent to be taken away when you're younger, but it just so happened that God's plan and God's timing was perfect timing for me, and it will be for you if you seek God's will and if you seek God's direction and seek the answers from God. In my story, my father was my hero. In my story, it should be perfect where I should have my family around all the time. In my story, I was able to control that, but no, not in God's story. In God's story, that was the perfect time for him to go, because at the end of the day, All our parents will go, but he just went at that time. So I can thank him, ironically, for my father's passing at that age. Be thankful in all things, but also for all things. And in this latest example I gave, it takes time. It takes patience, but it also takes community. We need each other. So we've looked at being thankful in all things, for all things. What happens then? Well, the fourth point is this, experience peace. As we learn how to cultivate this thankful heart, this next level thankful heart, Paul says we can expect something quite special. He says this in verse seven, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I read that again, just so we can understand what's coming for us. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's a guarantee, isn't it? Think about that guarantee for a second. This peace, which Paul refers to, even though he wrote in Greek, is probably the Hebrew word shalom. Now, shalom peace isn't described as an absence of conflict. We think of peace as that, right? Conflict. Everyone's hunky dory. No. Shalom peace is not about the absence of conflict, it's rather a state of well being amidst the conflict in the conflict. To give us a better idea of this, we need to remember that when Paul wrote this passage to the Philippians, when he wrote this letter to the Philippians, he was in a dungeon. Paul was in a jail. He wasn't comfortable. He wasn't going through a fifth wave. He was in something far worse. He was in a jail. And you know what? He knew where he was headed. He knew he was gonna be killed. And yet he was able to write to the Philippians and say, do not be anxious and to tell them to pray and to tell them that God guarantees that this shalom peace is yours. If you do that, isn't that amazing? He can do that because he was experiencing that peace. He was experiencing that shalom peace. And as, as a Christian, I've always wondered how, how do I do that? How do I attain this shalom peace? So when the, so that when the storm is raging out there, I can be on my boat and not worry. And Paul's given us some steps here on how to do it. Worry about nothing, pray about everything and be thankful no matter the circumstance. Jesus, from the moment he came to earth, experienced suffering and persecution. Jesus, from the moment he came to earth, knew what his mission was. He knew where he was going. He knew what his father's plan for him was. He knew he was gonna die. And yet he walked to that hill and he got nailed on the cross, never complaining once, knowing exactly what was in store for him, came to earth so that his mission could be fulfilled. Jesus came to earth because he loves us and it is he who wants to give us this shalom peace. That is why he came to earth, to die on the cross for our sins, to take away the burdens away from us, to win the battle that has already been won, that is won today. Jesus came to bring us this shalom peace. And we need to remember that he didn't come as just a good man to be an example to us. Jesus didn't come to be an example. No, he came to be our savior. Remember all these seemingly trivial things I talked about? Tripping, picking up a rock, wondering what's on it, might die, sunblock, not having high enough SPF, catching catching COVID and dying, sneezing six times and dying. That tells us something. As much as we want our stories to end well, in the back of our minds, maybe in my mind, and I'm sharing that with you this morning, we worry about death, don't we? COVID could lead to death. Skin cancer could lead to death. Our loved ones leaving us is death. I think in the back of our minds, sometimes we don't even realize that we already know that the end of our story is death, but God's story? No, God's story doesn't end in death. The cross is proof. It is proof that for those of us who trust in Jesus, joy and not despair is the last word. Life, not death is the last word. If we, if we know this, if we know this in our hearts if we recognize this in our hearts, then that 92% of trivial things, that 8% of what the experts say are the valid things. We can cast all of that on him because he has won the battle because it is the story of Jesus, not the story of us. And when we realize that in light of what he's done and in light of who he is, then we'll experience that peace. And we won't be able to help ourselves, but be thankful. It'll be natural. I want us to take this time to uh, maybe gather in groups of six, where you are, four to six, and spend a little bit of time in prayer. We didn't have the prayer this morning, we're gonna do it now. And let's pray for, first of all, whatever comes into your mind, but along the lines of what we've been listening to today, about surrendering our worries to him, Taking it to him in prayer and being thankful. And then I'll close us in prayer. So, wherever you are, just um, find a group of five to six, and um, I'll close us in about five minutes. Heavenly Father, as we reflect on all the things that make us worry, Lord, help us to use that time instead to take it to you in prayer. Lord, we pray for all the insecurities, all the burdens, all the worries that we have in our minds, whether they're big problems, whether the little tiny ones, Lord, no problem is too small or too big to take to you in prayer. So we wanna take it to you in prayer this morning and to cast all our anxieties upon you. Lord, teach us, remind us, Lord, that you are a God that answers prayer. We wanna come to you for that, God. Lord, as we do that, Lord, we wanna be thankful. Thank you, Lord, for the way that you are always working in the midst of our circumstances, whether they're good or bad, God, you are at work and we want to acknowledge that. And Lord, we want to thank you, Lord, for your work that was done on the cross, Lord, to save us so that we don't have to worry, so that we know how this story of yours ends, Lord. Thank you, God. Give us the strength to worry about nothing. Give us the strength to bring everything to you in prayer. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you for giving us this shalom peace. In Jesus' name, amen.